The lesson and the sermon text for this morning is written in St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 6, beginning at the first verse. As fellow workers, we also urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, at a favorable time I listened to you and in the day of salvation I helped you. Look, now is the favorable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are giving no one a reason to stumble in any way so that our ministry will not be blamed. Rather, in every way, we show ourselves to be God's ministers in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in difficulties, in beatings, in imprisonment, in riots, in hard work in sleepless nights, in times of hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in sincere love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness on the right and on the left, through glory and dishonor, through bad report and good report, treated as deceivers, yet being honest, Treated as unknown, and yet being well-known, as dying, and yet look, we live, as punished, yet not put to death, as grieving, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. So far our text, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have gathered in your house to hear your holy word. We pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us through it. Strengthen our faith in Jesus and make us more confident that our sins are forgiven in him. Therefore, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In Jesus the Christ... Dear fellow redeemed, God's grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Many of you know that my role in our church body, in our synod, has changed in the the last 12 months. I am no longer a, a pastor, But now I have the responsibility of serving as the president of our seminary. It's my job to oversee the training of future pastors. We might ask why a man would want to train as a pastor. I could be blunt and say... We don't want him to stink at his duties. But maybe a better question is, why does God send pastors? The first verses of our text actually shed some light on that, where Paul wrote, As fellow workers, we also urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, at a favorable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Look, now is the favorable time. See, now is the day of salvation. 
So why does God send pastors? Because now is the day of salvation. Therefore, receive God's ministers and receive God's grace. One of my responsibilities at the seminary is recruitment. It's no secret in our midst that we have a growing need for pastors. If you were to try and recruit men to train, to serve as pastors, how would you go about that? What aspects of the ministry would you point to to encourage someone to just consider going to the seminary? I doubt any one of us would use the last seven verses of our text. Hear, hear it again, beginning in verse 4. Rather, in every way we show ourselves to be God's ministers, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships, in difficulties, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in hard work, in sleepless nights, in times of hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, and then jumping down further through glory and dishonor, through bad report and good report, treated as deceivers yet being honest, treated as unknown yet being well-known, as dying and yet look we live, as punished yet not put to death, as grieving yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. Paul points to the hardships, the difficulties the struggles of being a pastor. I doubt that any of us would point to that as a recruitment tool. So why does Paul mention these things? Well, you could say this is exactly what he experienced. But being a pastor is not an easy thing. It's not easy to go through the academic rigor of getting through seminary. It's not easy to serve God's people. This is a difficult task. So why would any man want to be a pastor? In his first letter to Timothy, Paul explained that anyone that aspires to being an overseer, a pastor, he desires a noble task. It is a difficult task from an earthly perspective, but it's a noble task. When I was about four years into my ministry, there was a woman in our, our school in Lake Havasu called Brandy. And I can use a name because I know you guys will never ever meet her. Okay? Brandy had her, her daughter in our school purely because she wanted a better start for her daughter than what Brandy had. 
And our church in Lee Cavasu had the practice that if you were a member of the congregation, your kids went to school for free. So Brandy's a single mom in her early 20s, and she's struggling. She learned that if she would just become a member of the church, she would, wouldn't have to pay the non-member rate for tuition. And so she told me she wanted to go through the adult instruction class. The fifth lesson of the material that I use is all about Jesus. Jesus has definitely been in the other four lessons, but in that fifth lesson, we do nothing but look at who Jesus is and what he has done to save us. And, and part of that lesson is on how Jesus has, has paid for everyone's sins and so that anyone can be assured that their sins are forgiven. And anyone can be assured that God loves them and actually wants them to be with him in heaven. I don't know a lot about Brandy's early years, but I have the distinct impression that they were pretty rough. And when we were going through that fifth lesson, we got towards the end of it. And I was emphasizing what Jesus has done for everyone. No matter how great a sinner, Jesus is a greater Savior. Brandy didn't say anything. But tears began to well in her eyes. That's the noble task. That's the task that makes an eternal difference. Brandy didn't ever say it, but I'm pretty sure she was only sitting with me in that classroom because she wanted to save some bucks. She wanted to be richer in an earthly sense, but God had a different plan. He had sent his minister to show her how rich he had made her eternally, that her sins were forgiven, that heaven was now hers. That even the past that she had lived, as ugly as it may have been in God's eyes, and even her eyes, because of Jesus, someone like her could be in heaven. So why would any man want to train to be a pastor? It's because of the noble task. And the eternal difference that it makes. So receive God's ministers. Because they make an eternal difference in your life. God has sent them with that same comfort that your sins are forgiven. That God's grace is also for you. So encourage your pastors as they carry out that noble task. And if you know someone that you think would make a good pastor, encourage them too. Don't sugarcoat the difficulty of the task. 
Emphasize its nobility. Emphasize the great work that God can do through you in showing that God loves them and heaven is theirs. So receive God's ministers and receive God's grace. Paul in our text warns us about receiving God's grace in vain. That must be a real problem that Christians face because why would Paul mention it if it wasn't? So how does a person receive God's grace in vain? I'm going to focus on two. I'm not saying this is a comprehensive list. But the first way that someone can receive God's grace in vain is figuratively they they put up an umbrella so that the shower of God's love and mercy doesn't touch them. Maybe that person even thinks God can forgive everyone else, but there's no way a righteous and holy God can forgive someone like me. And usually when I talk to people that are thinking that way, it's not because their sins are so many. It's because there's one sin. There's one thing that they've done in the past. Maybe they did it many times. But they've They've got this one sin in their mind and they can imagine that God could forgive everything else. But how could God forgive that? And when they think of their guilt before God, that's the thing that comes to mind. And so that guilt is like an umbrella. That sin stops them from letting God's grace touch their heart. Maybe you've had times that you've thought like that. That you're really pretty good except just in this one area. Maybe you've wondered sometimes, how can God forgive a person like me? Jesus is the answer. Jesus has made sufficient payment for your sins, no matter what they are. The torment that Jesus underwent in our place has satisfied the anger of God over everything that you have done wrong, over everything the world has done wrong. And God raised Jesus from the dead so that you can know that's true. So no matter how great a sinner you are, no matter how great your guilt is in your mind, Jesus is a greater Savior than you are a sinner. Your sins, even your sins, are forgiven. So throw the umbrella away and let God's grace shower down on you 
Let him assure you that he loves you dearly and wants you to be with him in heaven. So the other reason or another way that people receive God's grace in vain, you might say they let it touch their heart or their head, but they don't let it touch their life. God's grace changes us. If you came to church this morning expecting to leave in exactly the same way, one, I hope you're disappointed. But two, that's the wrong expectation. You should be coming to church day after day whenever you have the opportunity to be changed. Because that's what God's grace does. Now that I know that my sins are forgiven, how can I view my sins the same way as I did before I believed? How can I, with the same joy, share that juicy bitter news that'll strip someone of their reputation? How can I chase after the same things that I did before God's grace touched me. No, God's grace changes us now so that we hate our sin. We despise it. We want nothing to do with it. In fact, we turn our backs on it. That's what repentance means, to turn away from sin. And repentance isn't something only that the unbelievers have to do. Repentance is the Christian life that we constantly see our sin. And sometimes day after day, we, we see the same sins. And day after day, we turn our back on those sins and turn to Jesus. So, what do you think of your sins? Are you stopping God's grace from touching even your life so that His love would radically change you and His Spirit would empower you to now live the way that God wants you to live? Don't receive God's grace in vain. Let him personally touch you. So as the last point, I want to go back to why God sends pastors. Why does Mount Olive need two pastors? Well, it's because there's so many of you that one pastor couldn't serve you. In fact, there are probably some that say, there's too many of you for two pastors. Okay. But what does that indicate about the work of a pastor? It's not about the collective community. It's about individuals. 
If it was just about the community, one pastor could come here every Sunday and feed you. But you want and need more from your pastor than that. God wants you to have a pastor. God wants an individual shepherd for you to be able to come to you and point out where you're going wrong. And to point you to Jesus the Savior. So now is the day of your salvation. God has sent you pastors so that you can hear that time and time again. May God bless your hearing of his word. So that you receive his grace. And know that your sins are forgiven. To God be the glory, now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.